and welcome to LX2 Codependency Coaching. We are live on Instagram at Luna underscore X2 underscore LLC. Uh, we are recording from Santa Marinella in the uh, northern part of Italy on the west coast, um, up from Rome. It's in the Rome region and uh, took a couple trains to get here and I have been here since Monday. I will be here um, until the 25th, and then I'm headed over to Florence, um, where I meet up with some friends of mine, and uh, we'll head out to a small town called Benabio. Um, I don't know if I'll do a podcast that week. We'll have to see how things kind of work out, but we are uh, continuing the boundary series, and I wrote on the physical boundary. And I included the material boundary in that just because it's kind of pertinent and they they go together nicely. Uh, But one of the ways that I had started thinking about the physical boundary or thinking about the boundary of space um, is to really consider that especially little kids are often trying to create this level of autonomy, right? Um, And autonomy is an interesting thing to think about when you know, if you've ever tried to uh, dress a toddler <laughs> or even, you know, a pre-toddler um, kind of in that infant to toddler space, like they become aware of their own physical being and, um, you know, they, they try to get away or they try to, uh, you know, have more influence over their physical space. Um, and I think about this idea of like our physical being um, in you know, that we, we take up space almost immediately uh, from, from the inception uh, of, of our being. And uh, you know, initially we take up space in another human's body and then we take up space outside of their body. Um, and, you know, I, I start to think about what it is like to have another physical being in your space, right? Not just in your body, but like in your oriented space. Um, and so thinking about that idea of autonomy really then brings us to that awareness of our physical being. Um, I think I've mentioned before, like our energetic space is about the size of, you know, our, our arm's length or our, our wingspan, if you will. Um, and really recognizing that that is the sphere in which we exist, and that is what we feel as though we can control if, if we wanted to and we want to have autonomy over that space. Um, and so as I was talking about, like little kids, they start to become aware that they are separate beings from us and from our bodies at a pretty young age. Like they start to recognize that they have influence over their physical space. And then we recognize that they have influence over our physical space. Um, and certainly, you know, being a, being a mom, there is this uh, enmeshment, if you will, but not always a negative thing, but we, we don't have that separation. Um, I worked with new parents often because I did work with um, postpartum and um, perinatal uh, depression and anxiety. And a lot of times that um, connection or intrusion on your physical space can create a lot of anxiety. Um, and then if it, it if the bonding doesn't happen in a way that's predictive, uh, you definitely have feelings about that. But creating that autonomy uh, when we first, you know, bring home a, a new little, 
uh, is very difficult because they are constantly on us. And um, for those of us who are very um, introverted, <laughs> I identify as an introvert now, but for those of us who are introverted, we don't like to have someone uh, connected to us. And I talk a lot about, you know, growing up in a household with a lot of humans, uh, there wasn't a lot of autonomy in our physical space. Um, you know, my siblings, of which there are many, uh, really didn't have that awareness of like, you are a separate being from me. Um, and, you know, one of the things when we talk about the, the physical boundary is also the material boundary. I was talking to someone this morning and really recognizing that like my sisters and even my child to a large degree didn't recognize that like what's mine is mine and what's mine is also yours. Um, and so, you know, they would come in and like borrow my clothes or sit on my bed or, or do these things. And they weren't doing it with any kind of malintent, they were just doing it because they assumed that, you know, everything in this house belongs to all of us and it's kind of communal property, which is not the case. Um, so thinking about that, that idea of autonomy, um, what I love is that there is this push now to educate little humans about the autonomy over their body and being able to set boundaries regarding that autonomy. Um, when I was growing up, it was totally normal to whenever we were um, you know, spending time with extended family that you go give your grandma, your aunt, your uncle, uh, whomever a hug and again, getting them in your physical space. Now there is a push to orient kids to one, be aware of what they want. And then also to not force them to have a physical interaction with an adult if that's not what they choose to do, which I think is really awesome. Um, and really helpful to recognize that there is that physical autonomy and a, a kid, even a little kid, gets to decide what their um, capacity is for interaction in that way. Um, I think that it's also important to recognize that there's like a safety issue. Um, there was a TikTok with a mom talking to a, a really small kid, maybe pre-verbal, about, you know, we're going to go into a space. There will be a lot of people there. Um, I will need you to hold my hand or at least be where I can see you. And so... Um, really recognizing that we do orient kids to their space and um, to their physical self so that there's, you know, safety is is considered, um, what they're comfortable with is considered, and then also how to manage that for themselves, which I think is super helpful. Um, but the autonomy piece is important to really recognize that if we give kids the power to say, what they are comfortable with, then they get to check in with themselves and recognize what they are comfortable with. Um, I think it's important to really recognize, like, I am a hand-holding or finger-holding human when it comes to littles, and it's like, you know, you need to pick a safe adult, and I have nieces and nephews, younger ones, and so we would talk about, like, hey, we're going to go into the museum, and so you need to pick a safe adult, whoever that is, and if you don't want to hold my hand, I need you to hold on to my bag, or I need you to hold on to my pants, or whatever it is, so that we can create safety and connectedness. Um, but, you know, that comes with also recognizing that sometimes kids want to do whatever the hell they want, and so they want to run around and whatever. Um, you know, we talk, about, <laughs> we talk about the idea of, like, the monkey leash for your little kids, and if you're a parent that considers that as an option, that's totally fine and, and within your, your right to do so. Um, not really my thing, but it is an option. We actually talk about monkey leashes for your adult friends that get wasted in a bar. Um, but really recognizing that that physical autonomy and that 
idea of being able to create connectedness and consent is super important. Um, so the next piece about the physical boundary is really recognizing space. And so like I talked about earlier, if like we're gonna go into a public space where there's a lot of people, um, it would be helpful to start to orient yourself uh, to a space and what that space looks like. Um, again, when we bring home a tiny human, um, we have all this excitement about what it's supposed to look like and it doesn't necessarily always fit into that idea. Like a lot of times there's, you know, there's this nesting process of getting ready for a tiny human without really considering all of the, the impact of what that's going to look like. And actually uh, in working with new parents, it looks different for everybody. And so we're not even talking about a tiny human exclusively. Like when you bring a new dog into a space or, you know, you're introducing a new friends to, you know, bring them over or having a party and having new people in your space, there is a, a level of preparation in thinking about what that's like to have people in your space, right? So we're talking about your physical body, but we're also talking about, you know, orienting them to the space around you. Um, and again, there's like safety concerns, there's, um, you know, food concerns, there's what are their needs going to be? What are my needs going to be? Um, as I was doing the writing, I was thinking about this idea of, you know, people in the spaces that we occupy um, and really thinking about like when there is the initial, you know, blurring of boundaries, a lot of times in new relationships, uh, friendships or romantic relationships, or even the new relationship of orienting yourself to a tiny human, uh, there's not a lot of space, right? Like when we're super excited to interact with people, we tend to be very close in proximity with them. We tend to, you know, kind of blur that line of, because we want to, there's, there's a level of comfort to have somebody, you know, really close to your body. Um, and as things change and, and as time happens, uh, that doesn't feel as comfortable necessarily. And so you're like, well, I need to take some space from you. Um, I know that with new parents, oftentimes it's really difficult because you are, you know, learning all these new interactions and you don't realize that you have needs. Like I need a shower or I need to, you know, rest or, you know, I haven't had any space to myself to kind of clear off my own um, physical being, right? And and really thinking about that energetic enmeshment or interaction with a new person, um, you know, we, we talk about like, especially in romantic relationships, the, the lines get blurred of like what space looks like. And, you know, certainly when we move into or start to cohabitate with someone, you know, we want to spend all this time with them, but then you put the tooth fresh in a weird place or your toothpaste is what are you doing with that um I realized that for myself having lived with a human for a long time an adult human uh, <laughs> what I know to be true is there are lots of things that I liked about that experience and then there are lots of things that I did not like about that experience um and fortunately we had a lot of things in common in terms of how we kept house and um, how organized we were and all of those things um, but I don't know that I want to share a bathroom with a, an adult person again. I don't know that I want to share a bedroom with an adult person. And there's a lot of ways to reorient our thinking into how that works um, with another person. And we think about the common spaces that we share and interact with. Um, we don't, we're not necessarily aware of our needs at the time when it's super exciting and we want to, you know, well, I want to spend all my time with you. Um, it's not until we start to build secret resentment or I haven't expressed that, you know, this is how I like the toothpaste or this is how I like um, what I what I laugh about often is toilet paper orientation. 
Um, and that sounds kind of random, but it is one of the things that I have uh, done in the past. And I, <laughs> I really try hard not to do it now, but I, I might. Um, is that there are, there are people who like the toilet paper over and people who like the toilet paper under, and there's large debates all over the internet about how it's supposed to go. Um, I will go into friends' houses and change their toilet paper to the orientation that I like. Um, and it's this like secret thing that we do because my friends will also come to my house and do the same thing. Since I've been on my own for the last six months, it's not as big an issue, but it is definitely something I've done. And so going into someone's space, really recognizing one, where what our capacity is, how we feel about certain things. When we are running high on endorphins or and even, again, tiny human, um, we don't have an awareness necessarily of how we're feeling about things. We don't have an awareness of this makes me uncomfortable or I don't like this. We just are kind of getting through. And then once we can take some space and, uh, you know, ground and, and intuitively kind of get back into how we feel, that could change with time. And so then it will become an opportunity to discuss, hey, I really like it when you do this thing and I really don't like it when you do this other thing. Um, and so really thinking about it from a codependency place is a lot of times we are not expressing our needs or we are not having them. <laughs> we may have them, but we're like shove them down because I don't, I don't want you to go away. I don't want you to not like me. I don't want you to um, think poorly of me if I am a toilet paper over versus a toilet paper under kind of person. Um, and so those are things to kind of be aware of when it comes to your physical boundary. Um, having an awareness of what your needs are is a, an opportunity then for you to be able to say to someone, hey, this is how I orient myself to my space, to the world, all the things. Um, in new relationships, we don't have those conversations because you're so great and I'm so great and I just want to spend all the time with you. Like, we're not really saying like, hey, it's weird can I just drive because my car is cleaner than yours or whatever it is, right? Um, sometimes I just want to be helpful. <laughs> sometimes I like to drive and some of my friends don't drive. So it's it's easier to have those conversations. I think the longer you're in relationship with someone, those conversations come more easily. Um, and if you're coming from a space of, I have needs and I'd like to express them to you, then it's a lot easier to do that. But in those new parts of a relationship, especially before we are cohabitating or spending like significant amounts of time in each other's space, it is an opportunity then to have these conversations in a neutral way where they're not as weighted and they're not as angry or frustrated or overwhelming. It is really easy to have a conversation with someone and be like, hey, these are just things I like or things. And we don't even, we're not even aware that they are things we like or need until we are butted up against something that, you know, is where a boundary should maybe be. Um, and so that's why it's an opportunity to start to be aware of like, what do I like? How do I like my, you know, silverware? Or how do I like the toilet paper or the toothbrush or whatever? Um, I think in my friendships, and certainly in people that I've, you know, spent significant amount of time with, those are conversations that we have. And a lot of times, you know, especially if we've taken like road trips or whatever, um, it's an opportunity to be like, hey, I really, this is a thing that I need, or this is a way that I orient to a new space. Um, you know, I've spent friends of mine, we've gone camping, or we've gone road tripping or whatever. And I, you know, happen to be friends with therapists or people who are trained the way that I am. And so we orient our, ourselves in that way. Um, if we're spending a lot of time 
with someone new and we're just observing, some of us are observers. Some of us are just kind of looking at and paying attention to how you orient to your own space. And so then I, I will, from my own observer perspective, recognize that, oh, you're, you're a toilet paper under kind of person, or you're a toilet paper over kind of person, or I'll just ask the question. Like, I'm a curious human. And I, especially when we're getting to know someone, like, I'm going to get in there and ask questions of like, tell me why you do that. Tell me what's up with that. Or, you know, in, in certain cases with certain friendships, um, especially if we've known each other for a long time, like, I always come in with curiosity and be like, hey, tell me who you are and how you grew up and what's going on there and all those things. Because it's it's fascinating for me, but it's also an opportunity for me to learn how you orient your physical self to your space. And it's really helpful to approach it with curiosity instead of judgment, um, because then, then you're forming connection. But our physical bodies is one way to kind of recognize that that changes over time and experience, right? Um, I have worked with clients who have had chronic illness or sudden changes in their physical bodies, and it creates a lot of anxiety when your body doesn't function the way you, you have expected or have experienced it to function before. And you don't recognize that that becomes a need until you have that negative feeling, depression, anxiety, frustration, anger, whatever it is, where you just have to reorient yourself to that level of autonomy. Like, what is it that my body is doing right now? It doesn't work the way that I want it to, or it doesn't work the way that it used to. And so now I have to reorient myself and then reorient to the space around me. And so there's a constant interaction with that, um, the constant interaction with like the space around you and your physical body. Um, Coming in with curiosity definitely does allow the other person to be seen when you're like, I am curious since this thing happened, what what is your orientation to your space or what are your needs? And so it does give you that opportunity to then go within yourself and go, well, I have needs about this and I should probably recognize what my needs are. Sometimes it's really obvious um, and sometimes it's not. And and then it gets an, it's an opportunity for you to connect with the people close to you so that they can, again, come with curiosity and ask questions. How can I support you in this experience? I think a lot of times... When we have physical issues, um, surgery, you know, something spontaneous happens, um, really recognizing that when we are at that place of vulnerability, sometimes people shut down. Sometimes with their anxiety, they want to isolate and not connect with other people. And so the people closer to you are going to recognize that absence, right? I haven't heard from so-and-so in a while, or I haven't seen, you know, my friend, my partner, my buddy, whatever. Let me check in with them to see how they're doing um, and then recognize, like, do you have any needs? I am the first one to say, no, I don't have any needs. I'm totally good. Uh, (laughs) um, I'm doing better at it, but it's definitely something that I have been aware of in the past. When my physical self is not feeling great, I do tend to shut down and I don't want to interact with someone because I don't like that idea of feeling vulnerable and having needs. Working on it, but it is something to be aware of. friend of mine was talking the other day, she had a surgery and really recognizing like my physical needs are to isolate and to take care of myself. Like I want to be able to create a boundary and, you know, express it as though this is my need, which I love. I think that's really important. Um, when I broke my ankle, I think I broke my ankle and I had COVID in the same amount of time. And, um, 
I wanted to isolate. Like I didn't feel comfortable asking for my needs from someone else, but I also felt really vulnerable and that was really difficult. So what I do appreciate is that my friends reached out and said, Hey, you know, do you need anything? Do you need to get groceries? Do whatever. I am so blessed to have people in my life who, um, recognize my absence and then will check in and then also recognize and know how I function and the things that I need. Um, but they come in with curiosity and they ask the question, right? They don't make the assumption. Um, I think a lot of times one of the things that happens with codependency is for those of us who are super astute and we observe a lot of things, we just assume that these are the things that you need without asking, which can actually create some resentment on the part of the other person because they're like, I didn't ask you to bring me those things. I didn't ask you to come into my space. I didn't ask you to clean my house. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine, um, because <laughs> I do that. Uh, and I was telling her, like, I have been known to go into people's spaces and start cleaning. Um, and it's my own anxiety response. I do recognize that. So I, I do better about it. But also with the people that are close to me who really appreciate that about me, they're like, yes, someone's going to come over. She's going to clean. She will wash the dishes um, without having that expectation, knowing that, that that might be a thing I do. At this point now, I do ask, would it be okay if, you know, while we talk, I do the dishes. Um, <laughs> I Again, I don't do it as much now. Um, or we'll just be like, hey, can we meet at my house? Because my dishes are done. Uh, and it's not me judging you. It's my own anxiety. Like, it is my own, when I orient to a space, like, I need to see a level of organization that's not about clean. It, it just helps my brain feel better. Um, and so I know clients have come into my space in the past and um, they orient themselves to the space. And I used to have pictures on the wall and they weren't always even. And I knew the clients that it would like kind of fuck with their heads. I wasn't doing it on purpose. <laughs> but I didn't also take it personally when they would like adjust the picture, which is totally fine. Um, and so it is one of those things to recognize that we orient ourselves to the space around us and it's not just our physical space. Um, quickly, I did want to talk about the idea of orienting yourself to a space and how physical spaces then affect our mental health and affect our codependency. A lot of times, if we go back into a space where there are memories or, you know, certain things have happened, or if we don't feel comfortable in the space, worthy or valid or whatever, sometimes we will take up the space on purpose and, you know, do it in such a way that it feels intrusive. Um, I know that for myself, I, I am aware of certain racial dynamics in certain spaces, not as much since I've been traveling, but certainly at home, where I get really um, aware of my anxiety when I go into certain spaces. Um, in other spaces, I totally feel comfortable and I can take up the room very easily. What I know to be true is that my energy and my dynamic can be really big and that can be overwhelming for other people. So that is one of the things that I have to pay attention to in recognizing that my energy can be a lot bigger than the space kind of allows for. Um, and so being aware of that in my own boundary way of like, okay, I'm going to go into the space. I'm going to start slow and warm up and see how everybody else warms up to me. Um, but that is another way to think about how we orient to a space with our physical body. Um, so I talked about needs. I talked about physical like touch and what we allow and what, what we are, um, what our capacity is at the time. And so again, that comes from that needs place. What are my needs in interacting with other humans? 
uh, and or beings, <laughs> be that animals or whatever. Um, and then how do I protect myself? And this is where that boundary piece comes in, right? How do I orient my needs with the interaction that I am having where I am separate from you and how do we do this in a constructive way? Curiosity is certainly one way um, and it's, it's the more helpful way rather than kind of coming in guns blazing, get the fuck away from me, like that's not helpful. Um, one of the other things to, to really consider is like how much energy and power am I giving to this exchange, right? I think when we create boundaries and we often think we have to set a boundary for the other person to like um, get away from you <laughs> or to manage like your peace or to manage your tender little heart like we talked about in the emotional one. Sometimes it's really about managing yourself. And oftentimes, like I've mentioned before, like the boundary is for you. It's not necessarily for the other people. And, I, you know, I talked before about like when my friends or my family call, they're like, do you have this space? It's kind of the nice thing about a text message versus just like a cold call is you get to decide what energetic space you want or energy you want to exchange with that other person. Um, when we take uh, the stance of power and recognize like, I know for me, it is important for me to drive if my vehicle is in better shape than maybe my friends is. Um, or if I recognize that like, you don't like to drive, I do like to drive. These are the rules of my car or whatever it is. Like even just communicating that expectation is going to be helpful for the interaction to build connection. And if I don't have any kind of significant objections to saying like, hey, can you put your trash in this receptacle versus just like on the floor? Um, again, it's not with judgment. I get that in your car, you do whatever the hell you want. In my car, this is what we do. Um, in my house, this is how this works, right? Um, in my space, you know, certain words are not tolerated. Uh, whatever it is, but I think really recognizing that we have the right to determine what happens in our space, what happens in our sphere. Um, and when we have an awareness of what our needs are, it's a lot easier to then communicate those things in a way that's helpful rather than, um, you know, creating disconnect. And it's, it's an opportunity then for you to be able to say, like, this is my expectation in this space or with my body, right? When we think about what our energetic capacity is, at the end of the day, like I don't have a lot of energy to have somebody right on top of me unless that energy exchange is mutual, right? Um, and so I may say like, I need a little bit of time to ground or reorient myself to the situation and then I'll be okay to do that. Um, I think a lot about when working with couples, um, there's usually, one person who is an aggressor and one person who is a runner. And um, the runner generally needs more time and space to process. And when I am working with couples and we are talking about conflict skills, if somebody calls a timeout and says, hey, I need some space, that means physically I need to remove myself from this interaction. And also I need to go and process for myself so that I can come to this interaction with a clear head. The other person, the more aggressive person who's like, no, we need to figure it out right now because my insecurity is being triggered and my anxiety is being triggered and my attachment style is being triggered. That's yours to manage. And 
it's important to let this other person kind of go and do what they need to do so that we can continue to build connection. Um, and that's hard for people. Like there's, there are clients who without intending to can be really aggressive in that we need to like figure this out right now. No, we don't like, you know, sometimes it takes a lot of reassurance. Sometimes it takes an opportunity to like communicate those things. But when somebody asks for space, it's, it's really important to just give it to them, you know, whatever that looks like. And, And that can feel really uncomfortable, but that is an opportunity for them to communicate their boundary. And then for you to recognize your own feelings and to manage yourself. And so when somebody sets a boundary in that way, it's important to listen to it. I know that for myself, like, because I am, have been very codependent, um, I get really insecure with that. Like, I, I'm like, no, we've got to figure it out. I do better now when someone says I need to take some space. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like, have, have the space you need as long as you come back to the table and we're talking about this. Cool. That works for me. I will not go into your house and change your toilet paper unless you do that to my house. But um, I might tell you now, like, I'm going to be like, hey, by the way, or you'll just know that Stella is in my bathroom because I changed the toilet paper. All right, Um, quickly wanted to hit the material boundary just because our stuff is an extension of who we are and it takes up space in our, you know, spheres of of orientation. Um, For those of you who don't know, like I sold everything. I got rid of like 90% of my stuff. Um, And our our connection to things uh, as an extension of our physical being is very much an emotionally driven thing. Um, and so it's a lot of times like the meaning that we give to the items and stuff that we have, um, is what creates that, that connection. And then recognizing how other people orient themselves to your space and your stuff, right? Um, we give a lot of meaning to relationships. We give a lot of meaning to space. We get a lot of meaning to stuff. And when we start to recognize like what actually brings us joy or comfort or consistency, Like those are opportunities to recognize that your physical self and your stuff affect your mental health. They just do. One of the things that um, when a client is starting to like feel depressed or feel anxious, they need to orient themselves to their stuff. Um, And a lot of times if someone's mental health is not doing great, they may like let things slip or like not manage their physical space and or self in the same way way that they were doing it before. And so, you know, kind of one of the hallmarks of like anxiety or depression is orienting yourself to your space. Like I mentioned before, like I will go into someone or I have in the past gone into other people's homes and cleaned. Um, Part of that is just orienting myself to organization. Um, But I know that if, you know, if I start kind of letting things slip or I don't do the dishes before I go to bed or whatever, I will get anxiety about it. And so that is something to consider. When I lost bag, I had a lot of anxiety because there were a lot of things in there that because I have so few items now, it created a lot of anxiety for me. And then I went through this whole grief and loss thing. It was like all all those things. So our material stuff definitely definitely influences like our physical orientation to how we function in the world and then also how our mental health functions. So these are just things to consider. I will be putting the essay on the website. Haven't posted any of the boundary stuff because I just need to clean them up. Um, But those are things to think about. Um, Again, I feel like we're all over the place, but I'm definitely, you know, kind of 
tracking where we're going and what we're doing. I will have one more podcast here. And then, like I said, I'm not sure I will have one that week of um, when I'm in Tuscany, just because I will be with other people and I'm very excited about that, uh, <laughs> to be hanging out with my friends and family. Um, and then, you know, I'm off to Spain. And so we'll see. There may be a break in, in podcast content, uh, but there will be stuff on, on Instagram. Um, thank you so much for those of you who are watching and who will watch later. I really appreciate it. For those of you who are listening to the podcast, I also appreciate it. If you have any questions, any feedback, want to say words to me, uh, Luna underscore X2 underscore LLC. Uh, you can also reach me at lx2.cod.coach at gmail.com. I'm going uh, to go from here. Thank you so much for watching. And then I'm going to end the podcast. Um, but that 30 minutes went very quickly. <laughs> and hopefully we covered all the things that you have questions about. If you're still curious about these things and you want me to cover more, reach out and say words to me because I'm not going to know either way. Uh, so anyway, thank you so much, guys. I'll talk to you soon. All right, we are ending the podcast. And uh, thank you so much for listening. For those of you who want to watch the live, it's going to be on Instagram. It is there until I take it down. I am on TikTok, Luna or LX2.codependencycoach or codependency coaching. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. The the essays will be on the website under the LX2 blog. And um, you can look for those things on the clip couple spaces under my profile picture. Thank you so much for listening and I will talk to you soon.